I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything, yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, well, buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's, it's so real to this day. I, I I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? (laughs) We did it guys. One that came out of nowhere. It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. This episode of Spaces Podcasts is supported by Infratech. Bring indoor comfort to outdoor living with Infratech Comfort Heaters. Hello, my name is Demetrius. This is Jason. Good morning. And you are listening to Spaces Podcast Express. Thank you for coming back, everybody. Jason, we are going to continue a conversation that I know you think Scared. is the uh, end of humanity. What's going to save society? <laughs> <laughs> I'm scared. Talking about the metaverse, uh, continuing our conversation. We have a guest with us today who's going to um, kind of share his thoughts on it and a particular product that he has um, that'll work in tandem. But before we get to that, quick nod to our sponsor. In the last few years, premium outdoor spaces have become a must-have architectural feature and Infratech outdoor electric heating systems have become the brand of choice among leading architects. Infratech heaters provide energy-efficient ambient warmth that allows homeowners to live outdoors during cooler months. Clients love them because they can enjoy 100 more nights a year outside. Architects love them because of the unparalleled versatility, from heater capacities and colors to mounting options that can either seamlessly disappear or accentuate a space with beautiful decorative coverings. They're also the only comfort heating company to offer smart home integration and hands-free voice-activated control. For over 60 years, Infratech has made their products in the USA at competitive prices. They offer incredible design and live technical support at every stage of a job. 
Infratech is specified at the world's most prestigious properties. Learn why and sign up for a free consultation at infratech-usa.com forward slash podcasts. So Jason, with a uh, hundred more nights being able to use your outdoor space, you can actually set up your virtual reality outside and uh, still be connected to the metaverse while you while you enjoy the outdoors. You looking forward to that? Pumped, absolutely pumped. <laughs> so, if you'd like to uh, extend your ability to be outdoors, uh, check out Infratech. Uh, link will be in our show notes. Okay, so back to the conversation. Our guest is the CEO and co-founder of Looking Glass Factory. Please help me welcome Sean Frain. Sean, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Great to be here. Uh, so looking forward to the conversation. Got to check out the product. Pretty cool. Um, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and then Looking Glass Factory? Sure. Um, so as you mentioned, I'm one of the co-founders and the CEO of this Brooklyn and Hong Kong based company called Looking Glass Factory. And we make the world's only group viewable holographic interface that actually shows 3D content to more than one person, no VR air headset required. And we take the radical view that this will be how most people most of the time for the rest of our lives access the metaverse instead of going into it kind of pulling pieces of the metaverse into the real world through the looking glass which is also the name of our product so for those that um may not have caught our previous conversations about the metaverse how would you summarize it in in your mind the the most the most dangerous tech question because uh, <laughs> anything anyone says right now is just going to be made fun of 10 years from now. I mean, there's a few things that we know the metaverse includes. If we don't know exactly how it's going to impact society and the extent of it, we know that it is, you know, a blend of virtual world in the real world. That's pretty clear. It involves 3D stuff. So it's not the flat stuff that exists on our phones and laptops now. It's 3D stuff. Mm -hmm. And the third aspect is cross-platform. So folks can access that blending of the virtual and real world and the 3D stuff that exists there through mobile AR, through VR and AR headsets, and also through holographic interfaces, which most folks don't even know is a thing, but I assure you is. Um, so, you know, uh, that cross-platform um, aspect is very similar to how we access 2D stuff on the web now. I can do it on my phone. I can do it on my laptop, desktop computer. And that's going to be the same for spatial um, interfaces in the near future, I'm talking about this year, next year, and so on. That was a really good description, especially like from a layman perspective. Like, I appreciate that. Thank, thank you. I'm working on it. Yeah. Well, it sounds <laughs> like you said you had practice, right? Everybody always asks that question. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I used to try to define it, and then I was like, ah, I better not do this, delete those recordings. <laughs> So you kind of alluded to a diverging thought process of what metaverse is. Uh, one, I think the majority of people are seeing is putting on the VR headset um, and being immersed in this certain world. Can you kind of expand on 
on that and why do you think it's so important to not necessarily or maybe it's not necessarily commit to that or is it we shouldn't do that at all um no i don't think it's that we shouldn't do that at all headsets particularly ar headsets and to a much lesser extent vr headsets are part of that future that's becoming clear um day by day i uh would be worried if everyone was forced 16 hours a day to only wear a Facebook meta branded headset. <laughs> yeah. um, that, that doesn't seem that fun of a future to me. So I think being able to dip into all the stuff that the metaverse will bring, communication, collaboration, creation, et cetera, but also being able to pull that into the place that most of us live our lives in the real world, that's going to be an important mix. And it's like the famous sort of Steve Jobs thing. A lot of things get you from point A to point B, cars, scooters, trucks. That doesn't mean you don't need cars, scooters, and trucks. There, there are different ways folks need to get from point A to point B. And same thing applies to the metaverse. There's got to be different ways to access um, all of the wonderful stuff that's going to be there. Do you see that impacting the way that we design and build the real world? Is, is it that we now have to think about places for us to tap into this virtual world and having these sort of looking glass windows everywhere and in our homes. How, how do you see that sort of panning out? Yeah, in the um, professional context for the design of spaces, I think anything that lowers the cognitive load of having to use, you know, your available memory in your brain to process 3D stuff that you're looking at in a CAD modeling program or what have you on a 2D computer, anything that makes that actually 3D is helpful, both for professionals and for folks who are casually being part of those conversations, you know, in design reviews and things like that. So I think that's going to be helpful for design generally for all types of 3D stuff of which spaces are, are one element of. In terms of the design of the physical spaces that people are in now um, and how that relates to the metaverse, yeah, I, I think that spaces are going to be connected with one another. Physical spaces in the real world, mm -hmm. you, you will be able to have these little portals or what we call looking glasses that function a lot like the magical looking glasses of you know, stories where you can look through and there can be a space on the other side of the world, but it's like you're looking through an open window into yeah. that other space and vice versa. And that'll also pertain to how we bridge real world spaces with virtual spaces. So you could imagine having a room that you built somewhere in the metaverse that connects with your real world room. And you have literally a window that connects those two places, one in the real world and one in the metaverse on your wall. And these things are not sci-fi future dreams. Um, this, this is all stuff that's happening right now. Now, looking at the website, it looks like you guys have more of a picture frame up to like almost TV size mm -hmm. uh, products. Can you talk a little bit about your current approach and then sort of where do you guys see that going? Is it a full wall unit that basically projects like you're like you were describing is that sort of the the goal or something bigger <laughs> uh it's a combination um you know like um 
we've got a bunch of different size screens in our lives now. So I've got a phone that's five or six inches in my pocket. I'm talking to you on a 15 inch, you know, laptop screen. I've got a big display showing stuff that we collaborate around in the team in the corner. That's, you know, like 80 inches. So all of that stuff that exists in 2D in Flatland, there'll be analogs to it in hologram land. Um, part of the reason that we released a pretty widespread of these three systems, one is the small desktop unit, um, as you're mentioning, the looking glass portrait at 7.9 inches, about the size of the tablet. And we've got a medium system and then the largest system at 32 inches, um, which isn't huge, but it does function more as like a window into another place than the smaller units. Reason we have to do that is nobody knows this stuff is possible. So before anyone can enter the hologram game at all, they have to see what a looking glass holographic interface is. And the looking glass portrait has served an incredible role of getting many, many thousands of systems onto people's desks. So they know like, oh man, this is here now. And then they can start to imagine the future that comes after it. So it's kind of the initial swatch, the bite-sized piece that people need. It's super intriguing because it's, you know, to your point, I think you just said it, a lot of people don't understand that it exists. Um, and I think even when you roll, roll that idea into the idea of the, the metaverse, I mean, it's a whole lot of unknown right now. You know, there's, there's people that I think that, you know, as Demetra said, yeah, I'm pretty scared of this whole metaverse idea. I don't, I'm not, I'm not a fan ideally, but I have a lot of respect for the ingenuity and the vision that people have in being able to to create things like that. Um, and you guys doing what you're doing on the hologram uh, side and, and how that integrates. And I love what you're saying about pulling out and getting my, my fear is the suck into this completely non-real environment. I don't like that. And a lot of, for a lot of different reasons, um, this is all personal opinion, of course. I, I, I 100% agree with you. Um, so <laughs> you're, <the man. laughs> you're, 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 you're preaching to the choir here. Yeah. I mean, so I love, so hearing you talk about pulling, you know, sucking things out of it, pulling, pulling things out and, and applying it to, to real life. Uh, you know, as the joke went a while ago, makes me feel less and less like we're getting into the movie surrogates, which I don't know if you ever saw that it was a Bruce Willis one, but, um, it's terrible, but it, the idea was, there. <laughs> it was terrible. Like most Bruce Willis movies, um, except for Armageddon and of course, for Die Hard. So, <laughs> of um, course, so thank, thank goodness you said that I was going to call you out on that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's it. Like, let's be honest. Right. And, uh, or at least that series. So, um, so I, you know, I have a fear of that, but I, I don't have a problem. I like technology because I think there's a lot of things that technology enables us to do these days that you couldn't, other, that's why remote work, you know, is possible these days. And, and, and as long as we're trying to add to that and not remove the human element, which is what I'm so worried about, I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. So, you know, his description, you know, at the beginning, you got, you got me, you got me hooked just in how you, how you described it. So, um, but I'm learning. I mean, I don't, I'm the first person to tell, like when my phone goes wrong, I call it and say, Hey, help. Like, I don't even, you know, want to do this. And so it's, it's interesting because I know that's the direction the world's going. So we have to be open to it and aware of it and then see how we can best, I think, make those things work. To your point, Jason, um, you know, most of this is driven right now by, as Sean suggested, Facebook. Um, there's a couple other smaller players that are that are in that conversation, but it's all one directional of the putting on the VR headset. Sean, can you talk a little bit about why you think it's so important to have people that don't necessarily agree with that as the, mm -hmm. the sole direction? 
Uh, why is that so important? This uh, moment is actually why we started the company seven years ago. A few of us anticipated this moment where there'd be so much money that went into headset-based stuff because the companies that are investing in headset-only based visions of the future of the metaverse want to own your eyeballs. I mean, there's no other way to put it. Mm -hmm. And that's not good. Like we, we know that's not good on your phone, which you love can, this guy, <laughs> you, you know, you can, you can put that away at night. You can't put away something that is strapped onto your head. That's the only way, you know, you're supposed to be working and communicating with friends and family all day long. So there's gotta be an alternative. So we form the company very deliberately as a counterweight to an all headset based future. Now, I think all of this stuff is in the mix, like in that analogy with transportation and different ways to get from point A to point B, mm -hmm. but it is a pretty dangerous future from a communication tool standpoint. If there's only headsets that let you access the next generation ways to collaborate and communicate. So um, I, I really do think that while, you know, on a day-to-day -day basis, what we're doing probably seems to most folks, like probably rightfully so, it seems like we're making consumer electronics and just making more stuff. Mm -hmm. That's not how we view our mission internally. We view this as like a, a mission from God that we <laughs> have to battle against an all headset only future of the metaverse. <laughs> Jason is throwing his hands up in victory. So pumped. So pumped. I am such what is your Instagram? What is your guys' Instagram? I have to I, I'll I have, send you the stuff later. Yeah. I have to look yeah. this all up. Yeah. I mean, there's a bunch of folks who are, you know, part of the um uh part of the rebel force, I guess, um, <laughs> that are sharing creations in the looking glass on Twitter. So if people look for looking glass on Twitter, they'll find us, but it our handles lkg glass and you'll find all the stuff there there's folks on our discord server that are doing this if you're a little bit nerdy and want to dive into um, kind of more of a day-to-day -day development and conversation but you know we're a little company of like 50 people that is pushing against the narrative that the biggest companies in the world are talking about and the only thing we have going as a wind at our back is that you don't have to strap our stuff onto your head and I, I think that's going to be enough to at least provide the counterweight that's needed so that it's not this ready player one future, which incidentally, Mark Zuckerberg read this book. He's like, hey, great. That's a business plan. It's a dystopian <laughs> book. It's a dystopian future. It's not a business plan. It's something to be fought against. Yeah. So happy right now. I mean, like I, I, am, I am so happy right now. Yeah. I, it, as dumb as it sounds, just to know that there's not, I think Demetrius thinks at times I'm nuts. <laughs> right like i'm so stressed out about where i see the future going and, and why and all these other kind of things and i mean that in a super loving way d obviously but um but there's a lot of you know it, i don't want to i don't want to get political on this but there's a lot of times when i feel like the whole direction is going one way and i feel like i'm one of the few that's like no like like this is this is bad you know what i mean and um and i'm not saying you guys are saying it's bad but there, there needs to be some other type of plug-in or some other way to access to do that kind of stuff no it's bad an all headset only <laughs> future where you got to strap on facebook's thing all day long is bad that is bad they okay good so yeah so i i 150 agree with you 
um, if not two or 300%. <laughs> and um, it's nice to hear there's an opposing view. Let me just put it that way or, or, or a view from the other side. And there's people that, you know, are smart enough like yourself and the others that you work with, cause it's not me to be able to do these types of things. You know what I mean? And uh, that's, I mean, it's encouraging you know, in a lot of different ways, because there's a lot of power that's wrapped up in, in some of these massive companies and rightfully so, because they've worked hard and created what was, you know, desired or whatever. And it's good to know that there's some still free thinking and some thought about that. So I, I applaud you guys and what you're, and what you're going after. Thank you. That's very, really nice of you to say. And, yeah. you know, we're sort of here in the corner right now, but hopefully I'll move into the main arena pretty soon. And I, I do want to clarify, I 100% agree with both of you. That I, but <laughs> now, now my, he does. It's no, two on one. Let's go. No, no, no. <laughs> my, my stance, though, has been that this is an in, inevitable future yeah. and we have to play a role in the conversation mm-hmm. and understand yeah. what could happen. So Can't uh, to it. fully embrace that it's happening and that it's coming. So people like okay. Sean and Looking Glass Factory um, playing a role in alternative directions to this future is always a good thing. So um, Sean, really quick before we uh, let you go, can you talk a little bit about the ways that people are using Looking Glass Factory right now? Is it about displaying NFTs or is it something more or less or how is that working right now? I mean, there's certainly a bunch of um, artists that are making money selling their work um, represented holographically in Looking Glass units. And we're sort of just on the sidelines of that, supporting it where we can. But we have a lot of creators in our community that do all sorts of 3D creation of all sorts using Unity, Unreal, Blender, variety of different tools. And there are the beginnings of enterprise customers, organizations that are using the larger format systems, which we only just started to ship um, in small numbers you know, like the 8K 32 inch looking glass and things of that nature that are out of the price range of an individual creator, but well within the price range of folks who are buying, you know, a handful of HoloLens headsets. Mm -hmm. And instead they, instead of casting what they're seeing in a HoloLens headset to a two-dimensional monitor, now they can put it in a holographic interface and folks who don't have the headset on can see what's going on. Um, for training, for, you know, medical visualization, teaching, all, all, all these types of applications where you have 3D stuff that's difficult to understand on a 2D screen, and you can dramatically lower the barrier to understanding, the cognitive load by, you know, representing it holographically in a looking glass. It's the same value proposition as what folks have for a lot of these applications in a headset. It's just now you, you don't have to gear up to see certain types of that content. So we're in the beginning phases of the hologram land. Can I ask a super random question? Yeah, please. I think it would be kind of fun. If you were to pick, you know, I I joked with the movie surrogates, right? If you were to pick a movie where you think the future is headed, what movie would that be? Oh, that's an amazing question. Um, (laughs) I I mean, I got got hooked uh, with Back to the Future 2. in the 80s so when i was a little kid that was you know when marty mcfly got gobbled up by the holographic shark that to me was a good vision of the future at least the (laughs) one timeline that marty ended up in there and so that's sort of more of a positive 
vision of the future. It was in the <laughs> real world, but it had elements of 3D digital world holograms and whatnot that were part of it. Um, definitely not a fan of like the lawnmower man visions of the future. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, I like his spin better than mine of I am legend and be for vendetta and those types of things. So I, I like that a lot better back to the future. <laughs> that, that'll work back to the future too. So that'll Fa work. I a like family that. favorite, you know? Yeah. 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 That's fair. That's fair. Thank you so much, Sean. Uh, it's a pleasure having you. Great conversation. Uh, What's the best way to uh, for any listeners to find out more about Looking Glass Factory? Uh, they can check out our website, look.glass. And then there's links to all of our social media and Discord and whatnot on there. And that's where a lot of the action is happening and folks are sharing what they're doing. Very cool. All right. So check that out, look.glass. And we will um, share that link in our show notes as well. Uh, thank you again, Sean. Thank you, Jason, for hanging out. Well, thank you no, to th thank you, Sean. <laughs> no, th thank you. This was this was super fun and a real pleasure to chat with y'all. It's awesome. And thank you to the listeners for listening. We will talk again next time. Thanks. Thanks again for listening. Don't forget to check out our sponsors. By checking them out and supporting them, you help us keep this show going. Thank you to Infratech Outdoor Comfort Heating for their support of this episode of Spaces Podcasts. Visit infratech-usa.com slash podcast to sign up for a free consultation and learn why Infratech is the choice for bringing indoor comfort to outdoor living. Spaces is part of the Gable Media Network. You can check out similar content at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. If you enjoy our show, you can support us in three simple ways for free. You can leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or on your podcast app if it allows you to. Tell a friend and follow us on social media. Thanks for spending time with us. Talk soon. Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise. From 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. 
And hold on tight for Season 2, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOPA. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm.